Todd talks. The whole notion of fear is to keep you safe. And if you read about it, it goes back a long, long time ago. Actually, you don't even have to go back a long time ago, you know, to think about fear. You hear about fear being something that's part of man for, I've been told, millions of years. I mean, we don't really know exactly how long back man goes, mankind goes. You know, you think of animals in fear, too, because animals have fear. They have a fear instinct. People, we people have a fear instinct. We see something scary, we react, and and sometimes it's it's automatic. Um, Animals... Animals have that as well. I mean, it's sort of built into them, especially I think of a cat. You know, if you you clap your hands the wrong way or too loud or something, and a cat's going to jump, sort of an instinct. It's the same with people. You drop something loud by somebody, they're going to hear it. They're going to jump. They're going to react. You know, it's almost automatic. But if you you pay attention to fear and, and, and how it can really lead you, lead your sort of be like a um, sort of like a precursor to the way you live it becomes a a habit something that something you condition yourself to to have quite a quite a lot of and it's just like anything some people are more prone to being fearful and some people are not prone to being fearful some people are very cheerful people and other people's other people have to work at it but when it comes to fear, it's it's something that you almost you almost can trust that it's gonna it's gonna work for you because it's it's a part of what you are. It's a part of all living. I and I'm guess I don't know this for sure, obviously, but you know it's a part of all living things. In the, you know animal world, human world, that that fear can work to your advantage. Real fear, though. You know, you think of, uh, so when I was on my honeymoon with my wife in Italy a few years back, um, we actually got to tour the city of Pompeii. And I remember seeing some of the, um, the mummified statues of people that were just stuck, stuck in ash because of the volcano erupting and such. Now, if you live on the side of a volcano, and it erupts that's it's gonna invoke fear you know or at least it should invoke fear big volcano is erupting that's very scary so that's that's an example of when you know what you know fear is going to be useful but nowadays more than ever and i can say this because i can i can i have a a reference point to when i was a kid that there wasn't, there was always fear. You know, we might have had fear about, I don't know, we used to have bomb scares in school where the fire alarm would go off, we'd line up single file and we'd go outside because some, some moron calls the school and threatens a bomb or whatever. You know, that's, it's, it's a little scary, right? You know, so obviously things, things happen that are scary. You know, somebody's having a fight that gets scarier. You know, sometimes things get heated up at the house, in the house, you know, family members or whatever get upset or whatever there's a little fear going on there there's always fear is always a part of it but it's not as prominent as it is today today fear is has become sort of a, a precursor habit something that's it seems to be on the forefront of our psychology 
And what's really weird about psychology is that it's not something you can put your hand on. You know, it's like you look at the evolution of the physical human body. Um, you know, maybe maybe in thousands and thousands of years we may have developed differently. You know, we're not as hairy because you know we have clothing and such we you know that kind of stuff or you know our skulls are a certain shape different than they were a hundred thousand years ago that that kind of thing but when it comes to psychology our fear it's it's sort of invisible it's sort of like a an emotion it's uh, a feeling in your body it's a mostly a mental state but it definitely ties together with your with your body because a lot of times you know aches and pains and things are sort of reflecting what's going on in your mind and what's going on in your mind has to do with your thoughts, you know, how you think. And if you think regularly about fear, fearful things, you know, be it a, a, a it could be anything, it could be a, a virus or if you're afraid that something's going to happen to you or, oh boy, you could be afraid of anything. But if you, if you sort of live with that, a precursor to that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your day, you know, it's going to ruin your moment because it's become a habit. And I know I've fallen into that many times. I, I don't do that as much anymore, but I, I for sure I've been there before where, you know, you, you, you worry about your body. Uh, let's say you have an ache or a pain or, you know, maybe even something bad that happened to your body. Maybe there's a tumor growing and you have a pain. Maybe you have a broken bone or whatever. Maybe sometimes it's just, you know, you have an itch and then you start thinking, whoa, what is that itch? Why is it itching all the time? You know, maybe it's something serious. Um, you know, those, those, those can be tricky because they're, they're on your body and there's a part of your mind that sort of narrows in on that problem and sort of makes it worse. I remember listening to a, uh, a talk one time by a, uh, a Zen Buddhist giving a talk about the second arrow, the story of the second arrow. And, you know, you get, you get hit by an arrow and it hurts, you know, it's a problem, right? But we had the second arrow and oftentimes you add more arrows, the third, fourth, fifth, continuous adding of arrows is just making it worse. And those additional arrow, arrows are the way you think. And um, if you hear noise, by the way, in the background, that's rain pattering against the windshield. Not a problem. I'm not afraid of it. But I wanted to let you know what that is. Because I'm driving, driving in my vehicle where I often do a lot of my thinking. But anyway, adding the second, third, fourth arrow is it's in your mind. You know, um, you know. As of now, there's this. Uh, what, what is it? End of March, almost April, and, and the big talk of the talk of the day is the coronavirus or the COVID-19 virus. And um, you know, uh, things things that get people sick and potentially kill people are scary. They're, they're, okay, let's talk about that a second. So fear, that's that's scary. The flu is scary. A cold is scary. An accident is scary. There, there are constantly, constantly people being born and constantly people are, are, are dying. That's just the way of life. And when you have a, a virus, though, or a cold or a flu or something like that, or they're calling it a contagion, a contagion, contagion, I think it's called, that, that's causing a lot of harm quickly, like this current day one again it invokes something in us that that creates fear but the problem with that is that it it sort of multiplies because of our culture today and we we live in a culture that's much more scared much more afraid much more anxious 
And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. And I want to begin with the culture. And the culture, at least in this country, in, in the United States, is really, really anxious. We have more people than ever, but we have, we have lost a lot of old school cultural lifestyles. It, it used to be natural to have, you know, a father and a mother get together. We have children and, and parents taking, taking care of their children. There's discipline and there's a, a spiritual element to family life which has changed dramatically. You know, for example, when I grew up, we all went to church with my mother, uh, sometimes my father, but mostly my mother. We would go to church, Catholic church. We were raised Catholic. We went to catechism. Uh, we just regularly saw that stuff. It was a, a very spiritual thing. You know, we'd say the Our Father, we'd pray, we'd do all these things, we'd take communion. You know, it was a spiritual side, spiritual side of life. Until we're old enough to make our own decision, that's when I found a lot of interest in, in global uh, religions and spiritual beliefs. Like, that's when Zen practice became an important part of my life. You know, because you pick and choose. But, but so is, even to this day, Christianity, too. I, I, I thrive on both. Um, I, I have a lot of respect, love, and admiration for, for a lot of spiritual things. Even in science, I find spirituality. Um, you know, I'm fascinated by science. But the things that make it all tick, the the energy behind it, the, the energy, the Tao, God, all of it, it's just everything that's behind it. It's just very spiritual, and I think that's been lost. I think a lot of people are fearful because they lost their faith. They don't have faith in anything but themselves. And when you have a belief that there's just this single you, and you're scared because you don't want to lose you, that, that can be devastating because there's nothing else to grasp onto. You see, you're limited. So you create yourself in your own shell. You're this bag of skin that exists by itself. And this right now, let's say this virus might kill you. That's very scary because there's only one you and it's a survival thing because some part of you wants to survive. That's your, that, this is the problem is that it's, it's tapping into your survival tactic you were given as, as being a living organism but, but it's, it's being made worse because you, you were never taught anything different. And let me go back to the culture for a second, that we live in a culture of media. And I, I guess I'd call it media now because, because we get it now. We get it right here on my phone, our tablet, laptop, computer, constantly, nonstop. I mean, within a flash of a second, we can get a news update. And in fact... It'd be a, a kind of a kooky experiment, but but let's just say, for example, tomorrow, um, just as an experiment, I wanted to say that there's a new a new virus from I don't know, let's just say northern Alaska that just developed that causes your heart to stop instantaneously within seconds, and it's affected already uh, 4,800 people. It's the scariest thing that we've ever seen of our lifetime, and you you have to lock down your house. You, you put that out on social media news and you can create a hype. And, and gosh, I remember years ago reading a story about um, there was a uh, what was that movie about? Um, uh, I think it was Orson Welles did a radio show a long time ago about this movie about aliens that were invading the Earth. 
And uh, Tom Cruise redid the movie. I can't remember the name of it, but the, ra- the original version was a radio show they did. And this is, I think, I want to say it was back in the 1940s. I'll have to look that up. But, but they played it on the radio, and people believed it was really happening. And the police departments were called everywhere that the people were freaking out because they thought something was really happening, and it was only a radio show. Now, that was a very long time ago on a radio show. So imagine what happens today with the media outlet the way, the way it is today. And you can just imagine how quickly people will, will follow and believe that type of stuff and make it even worse. And that, you see, that's what, you see what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to get across is that, you know, you do that, it would be a horrible social experiment. I wouldn't even think of doing it, but you could just imagine how people will panic I could right now, I could go home and tell, tell my kids that story. And, and they would believe me. They would believe me. They would be devastated. They'd be fearful. They would have anxiety coursing through their veins and their, their nervous system would be, you know, their hearts would be pounding. It would be a horrible thing. And now imagine that by, by millions of people. And that's kind of what's happening here with, with the mass media all over the world. Now again, I don't want to. I don't want to take away from the fact that something something has happened. Uh, something that they say originated in China. We don't know that it did, but it, it, this is what we're led to believe that something happened in Wuhan, China. Um, that some kind of a dangerous uh, flu virus that they've named COVID-19. I think they called it the coronavirus because the virus itself had sort of a crown-like thing, and corona apparently means crown, and that's where that came from. So. You know, not to take away from that because it's it, it's again, it's horrible that people die from things like um, the flu, cold, cancer. I just read a statistic in uh, the United States alone, av- average per year are over thirty thousand deaths by falls, falls, F A L L S, falling off a roof, falling out of a tree, falling from bridges. I mean, all kinds of falls, thirty thousand a year. That's unbelievable to me falls okay so so it's 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 unfortunate that accidents and deaths and things ha- uh, happen um, but but again Orson Welles radio show many many years ago people panicking modern day 2020 people hear stories they panic and it could be anything and before this it was, uh, let me think, it was, uh, let's see, Iran, Iran, we, we apparently, the military took out some vicious uh, um, terrorist leader, and we were afraid that uh, Iran was going to start trouble globally. Um, last summer, there was the triple E virus that mosquitoes uh, were spreading, and planes were flying overhead, spraying poisons to kill these mosquitoes. MERS, uh, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, uh, MERS, back in the, uh, I believe it was the Obama administration. There is Ebola, the Ebola virus. That was a horrible, horrible virus. I think it was down in Africa that it started uh, in the Obama era. uh, SARS uh, virus, that was SERS. That was, I believe, with George Bush Jr., uh, the second rather, when he was president. There's always something, always something going on in the world. And those are the ones we know about. There's, there's horrible, horrible things going on in the world. And it's just, you know, a part, part of it. But, but always uh, coming back to fear, always coming back to fear. You think, oh man, it doesn't take much on a regular day to think fearful thoughts. It really doesn't. So given the, given the choice to think fearful thoughts, 
versus what's the opposite? You know, thinking, you know, it's one thing to think positive. And yeah, we can always think positive. We can always choose to think positive. There's plenty of positive things to think about. Um, it can be helpful and it can be healthy to think healthy thoughts. I was listening to a talk show yesterday, um, learning amazing things about, for example, in New York City, where they apparently have a lot of cases of this new, uh, new flu strain going around. And the government got involved and, and contributed a lot of money to have these hospitals set up and build emergency hospitals to help people. I think it was four, four hospitals, I think I heard. And, but not just that, but the helpers, the people that come out of the woodwork to help. I'm continually seeing, this is the good news, there are amazing people everywhere, and I think there's good people everywhere. I would say the majority of people, 95% or more of people, in my estimation anyway, and I don't know, but this is what's in my heart, this is what I feel, that 95% or more of people around the world are just beautiful people. They have beautiful personality deep down inside. In fact, I think we're all born with it. We're all happy little babies kicking our feet, you know, wanting a hug from mommy and all this stuff. You know, we want to be fed and all this stuff. We're all born that way. We all have it in us. So I'll go to the 95% is because 5% of the people um, might have some kind of, a, uh, I don't know, the way they're born, personality traits that might make them a little more problematic or the way they're raised, the way they're brought up, that they can be just, which is horrible because you take any percentage, you can take one person in this whole world that does horrible atrocities and they were once... They're not like that. That's not who they really are. And that's sad because you have to be accountable for that. And, and you know, given the choice, you know, you get somebody that wants to kill millions of people or even a person, for goodness sake. It's not right. And you, you don't want that to happen. But generally, deep down, people are really good. And I see that time and time again. We went to Disney once uh, a year or two ago with my father-in-law and mother-in-law. And uh, he, he's... Not handicapped, but he, you know, he, he can't, I mean, he has to use a wheelchair and stuff to get around, and, you know, it's hard to get him around, but um, I had so many people, uh, so many people helping, opening doors, helping helping me to lift him up, helping me to put him down in his chair, asking if, asking if we needed help. It was, it was almost, in fact, it wasn't even almost, it was very emotional to watch how, how, how many nice people I saw on that trip. But I am constantly seeing the kindness and goodness of people. Even the most uh, difficult of people, I've seen the wonderful side of, and I'm just convinced that there is such goodness in mankind in people, all of us, we all have it. So are we really willing to let fear guide us? Are we really willing to let that be the, the head of the pack of our lives? Are we really willing to let that go and let that take a hold of us and grip us and, and really squeeze us? That's what it's like. Fear is like squeezing us. And uh, are we really willing to let that happen? Or can we just learn to let, that, let the grip of fear go a little bit? And what I do sometimes is, you know, it doesn't take much to look at nature you could look at a tree, a, gla a grass blade, uh, a flower, a bird, a, a turtle, uh, uh, a cat, a dog. I mean, it doesn't take much. You could look at the sky and the clouds and just observe nature for a few minutes. And it's just beautiful because you, you're sort of putting your, your, your consciousness into that out there instead of this in here. 
and it allows you to sort of loosen up your grip and realize that there's really no real tangible thing is fear. There's only a uh, psychological component to it that may serve you at some time, but not necessary for a good quality life. So for, um, if you're afraid to get on an airplane, that might be a personality that you were born with. You might just be somebody who was sort of predisposed to being a little fearful with that kind of stuff. But it also might be something that, you know, you kind of ask yourself, where did, where did you learn that? Where did you learn to be afraid of airplanes? Well, I watched videos of plane crashes and I saw the 9-11 video. You know, what happened then was, again, another horrible thing, or a horrible time in the world. But um, that, that's where I learned that stuff. So you sometimes look back and like, where did I learn to be fearful? Did I learn it from my mom, from my dad? Did I learn it from my best friends? Did I learn it from my culture? Did I learn it from my social media apps? Uh, like my daughter is constantly going on the World Health Organization website and, and looking at numbers. And, and of course you're gonna turn that into fear because they're reporting numbers and you're, you're, you're living in that fearful world. world. Um, that, there's a choice there, you don't have to do that. You, you really don't have to do that. I just read a story yesterday of a, a, an Israeli company. I think it's, I think it's called Teva, T-E-V-A, like the shoes, a medical company that is, is volunteering to give the United States, I want to say it was like close to a million units of this new medicine wonder drug that, that apparently does very good things to this coronavirus. You know, and just, you know, it's amazing to me how they're doing that. Um, I heard about a 103-year-old, I read a story about a 103-year-old grandmother from China, from Wuhan, where this allegedly started, who had the virus, and she's alive and well today. 103-year-old grandmother. I think that's phenomenal. There, there are a lot of stories that we're not told because they don't make the news. They, they just, for some reason, fear sells. How many times you watch the news? You know, tonight at eight, you know, eight kids were killed in a horrible fire, or a horrible accident. And, oh, you know, why are we drawn to such fear? Why is it so hard to find good news? Why is it that um, in, in, in these time periods, we hear uh, a lot of ministry, a lot of ministers talking about, and, and I, don't take this the wrong way, because I, again, I'm a, I, I have a lot of respect and, and appreciation for, for ministry. And, and, and I'm, I'm part of that. I, I, I minister things myself. I, I definitely minister things. But, but I don't know. I, I sort of struggle with this because I've heard ministers talking about the fear aspect, about how it's gripping us and how help us through this, and which is good. But, the, but, but I'm not hearing a lot of positivity as in, God gives us the ability to be strong and brave. God gives us courage. God, thank us for, thank you, thank us. Thank God, thank you for the ability to smile, to laugh, to joke with the ones we care about. Thank you, God, for allowing me the ability to go bring my mother flowers to brighten her day. Thank you, God, for looking around me and seeing the beautiful green shoots coming up out of the ground and through the trees because spring is around the corner. Thank you, God, for teaching us to be more compassionate and caring people, caring for one another, and smiling at each other, like I just did in the store. A lot more smiles. There's so much to be grateful for. I don't hear a lot of that. 
And I think that's really, really super important when you're feeling fearful to stop right where you are and realize that instead of letting it take hold of you, you take hold of it by looking around you and appreciating things, just really enjoying and appreciating things. All of your senses, taste, touch, smell, sight, hearing, all of it. You know, take a breath, really enjoy that breath. I know it sounds corny, but take a deep breath and just feel the fresh air going in and out of your lungs. The colors around you, looking through your eyes at at things, looking looking at nature, being able to hear things. And even if you're, you know, partially hearing impaired, you can't hear, but you can see, or let's say you can't see or hear, but you can touch. There, what, what do you have that you can be grateful for? And just sort of focus on that. Not on what you don't have, and not on, not on terror that you might die from something or whatever. Focus on, on what's alive in you. Like a, a good exercise, sometimes it's nice when you're meditating, is that if you sit quietly, and uh, maybe in a chair and you're relaxed. Take some deep breaths, 12 to 24 good, slow, deep breaths in a good, cozy environment. Maybe cover yourself with a blanket if you need to, whatever, so you're warm. And just feel the life in your hands and your feet and coursing through your body. You can feel the tingling sensations in your fingertips. That's what I love about Tai Chi. You, you do certain motions, you can actually feel what they call the Chi, the energy. You can actually feel it. Not only in your skin and in your body, but you can feel it around you. You can actually feel energy around you. It's really, really spectacular. It's there. It's there for for everyone all the time. And so if you're conscious and you have a a physical body that's here and now, it's there. So tap into all that stuff and, and see if you can reverse it a little bit. Don't let the fear grip you. You take hold. Just think of it this way. I'll leave you with one last thought. Some part of you is observing the fear, okay? You're scared, you're fearful. Who is fearful? Who is scared? Who is recognizing that you are fearful and scared? That, that is who you really are. And you have to realize that, because that's really important, that that's the real you that recognizes what you are. So give control back to the real you, the noticer, the one who's aware, or as Jack Kornfield, I think, once said, the one who knows. Um, Think of that and go from that instead and just do it a little teeny bit right now and each moment throughout the day and get into a, I call it a super habit. Um, There's habits and there's super habits. Create a super habit. Habits can cause problems, drinking, smoking, whatever, but a super habit can just conquer all of that. So make it a super habit. <sighs> try to try to imagine the real you. You were born with this spectacular energy, this spectacular personality, kindness, love, dignity, talent, exuberance, appreciation, respect, dignity, and all these other things. You're just born with all of it. It's all a part of you. It's all a part of you. And let that serve you and, and, and let it serve others. So do your best to try that and see how quickly that's going to change your life. I think you'll be very, very surprised.